Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy. Cure. Today, while we are still in social distancing mode, we want to present an episode that we recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Back when we could still share a kitchen table with our guests, we invited longtime supporters of CURE, Ashley Henricks and her daughter Caroline, to speak with us about the journey from child with epilepsy to young adult with epilepsy and how the transformation can affect the parent-child relationship. As high school graduation season comes to an end, even in this time of pandemic, we hope those of you with children entering college and those of you heading to college next fall will find value in Caroline and Ashley's story and advice. Thank you. I'm delighted to have close friends of CURE, Ashley Henricks and her daughter, Caroline Pratt, on the podcast today. Caroline was diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of eight. She is now 17 years old and a freshman at Carthage College, pursuing a double major in education and English. Ashley is the busy mother of three teenagers and an active volunteer serving on several local boards. Both Ashley and Caroline are passionate advocates for epilepsy awareness and research and have been dedicated CURE volunteers for years. Ashley, Caroline, thank you so much for chatting with us today. I'm so thrilled to have you here. So we're talking today about sort of the parenting journey of parenting a child with epilepsy and, you know, growing up and, and how you go through puberty and teenage years and sort of relinquishing some control over that child as they head off to college, as they have this tendency to do sometimes. Um, But I want to start at the beginning of your journey. Tell me about when Caroline was diagnosed with epilepsy. I was first diagnosed when I was three to four, but then it went like dormant for a few years, like so much that I didn't even know I had epilepsy. And then when I was eight, I remember going up to my dad and saying like, hey dad, I'm shaking and I'm not cold and I don't know why, but according to mother, that is not what happened. (laughs) Alternating versions. (laughs) Ashley, what what is your version of events? (laughs) Um, so, um, she had four grand mals when she was four, um, but, um, wasn't really officially diagnosed, um, at the time. Um, we did not put her on, um, traditional medication. And as she said that the seizures went dormant for about four years and, um, she was getting new glasses and, uh, was looking in the viewfinder at the eye doctor and I was sitting next to her and she started shaking. Um, and, uh, obviously, you know, uh, scared me and I, called a friend who's a pediatrician and um, you know told her what had happened and she um, referred us to a neurologist right away and um, and then she was officially diagnosed um, had EEGs they were all abnormal um, so uh, that's how the bulk of the journey started at, at age eight so and uh, what type of epilepsy were you diagnosed with and do you know a genetic cause I believe the first Epilepsy I was diagnosed with was absence epilepsy. Absence, the juvenile epilepsy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we don't have any genetic history because mom did some research 
and so did Dad, and I'm just special, I guess. <laughs> that you are, very much so. So what, receiving that diagnosis, she's eight years old, did the doctor tell both of you? Did the epileptologist just tell you? And then you told Caroline, how did that happen? Um, so Caroline is our oldest, so we had, you know, no um, experience with any, you know, um, sort of any um, major medical issue. Uh, so this was the first for her dad and I, um, and we, he and I received the news together um, and, uh, um, you know, shared it with her. And we really tried to frame it as um, that her brain didn't work the same as other other kids, um, that um, there was some extra activity going on, and um, uh, um, at the time, you know, we had a treatment plan with medication, and so um, that's just kind of how we, we looked at it, is that, uh, or told Caroline, since she was fairly young, that her brain was just, you know, kind of misfiring and, and didn't, wasn't quite working the same as, as uh, her friends, so... And how old were you when you started to understand? Because I imagine at eight, it's epilepsy is a complex condition for an adult to understand. So it's hard to imagine that an eight-year-old is really going to be able to, to grasp what that means. At what age do you feel like you sort of started to understand what epilepsy was going to mean for your life? I am not actually sure. I think, I think like each year I learned a little bit more about it and um, some of the major moments uh, there was this doctor in uh, in um, at at my at Mayo Clinic uh, mm -hmm. and he asked he asked me if I always if I always talked like sort of stuttering a little bit um and I just looked at him and I was like like what and everybody I knew said I didn't really talk that that abnormal but and then I started thinking about like I'm I've missed like at least about how I've missed like at least a year of my life thanks to my seizures. Wow. And um, I don't, I don't know, I think I've just always felt like I was different. And for most of my youth, that was okay. And then I entered high school and of course everything changed. Ugh, yeah. For the best of us it changes <laughs> and then you add in some complex medical stuff and that throws a giant wrench in the works. Um, how do you parent through that? And especially Caroline being your oldest, so you didn't have another frame of reference. You are going, you are parenting through puberty and teenage girl drama and craziness and at the same time navigating a disability. Mm -hmm. What would you tell her what, and what would you tell other parents who are, are walking down that path right now? 
Um, for a lot of uh, her, after she was diagnosed for several years, um, Caroline did not want to talk about it um, with um, friends or people who didn't know her very well, and we respected that. Um, and then when she started high school, um, she uh, had started having grand malls during school, which up until that time she'd been fortunate enough to not have any outside of the home or um, any place like that. So that really changed the game for us. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously her teachers and counselors were aware prior to that, but then the students, um, you know, were surprised, were startled. Um, so we, uh, we talked with them. She went to a private um, high school, so the classes were smaller. And um, so she um, chose to have me give most of the presentation, but um, uh, she was there. And um, I have to say that my greatest fear um, after giving it was that I would stand up there and, and there would be crickets. But um, I said, does anyone have any questions? I'm happy to answer. And, uh, and several of her classmates had good questions and were trying to understand you know, what it was and what happened to her brain when the seizures were occurring, what they should do. And um, that was really uh, you know, um, positive for me that they were responding and asking questions. And then she had other seizures after that um, discussion. So the students knew just what to do. And um, knowledge is power, yeah, right? And it yeah. makes, Watching a seizure, let alone experiencing one, but watching it is a scary thing to witness. So I, you know, the more that we can educate people, the less weird it is, the less scary it is for those witnessing it, which um, is kind of imperative in the peer pressure life of high school. Did you find that that helped your high school experience the more that your classmates understood epilepsy and seizures and what was happening? I was really lucky, like, because the reason I'd been so, I had been absolutely terrified of anybody that I hadn't made the decision to tell finding out. Like, I was absolutely terrified. And then mom, mom gave the presentation and I was, I had always expected like, um, if it ever were to get out, like I had always expected like everybody being like, oh my gosh, she's such a freak, and that was probably mostly due to the many high school movies. <laughs> um, but nobody treated me any different. Nobody acted like I was somehow different than I had been before, and nobody, nobody really even seemed to care, and I was just like eternally grateful for that. I probably had to give you a good amount of confidence and trust um, in this community that you know you could still be Caroline and you weren't Caroline with epilepsy you were just you that also had this that wore glasses and had seizures sometimes and you know you still got to be you and that's that's a, a pretty incredible gift I think um, from your classmates and and I imagine that a lot of that comes from the presentation that you are able to give Ashley just in educating and bringing awareness can do so much 
social good in those situations. Hi, this is Brandon from Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, or CURE. For the 65 million people worldwide living with epilepsy, progress is unacceptably slow. At CURE, our mission is to find a cure for epilepsy by promoting and funding patient-focused research. Learn more at cureepilepsy.org. Now back to this episode of Seizing Life. So now you're going, you've, you've gone through high school, you've had this positive environment, your seizures are still not under control, but it's time to start thinking about college. What is going through your mind when it's time to uh, send in those college applications? Well, for starters, I did not want to go to a college so close to home. I didn't want to go too far away, but I wanted to go like, I don't know, maybe a couple of hours away. Then I started having more like big seizures and uh, closer together. And of course I don't have a trigger, so that was, wasn't really great. And on top of that, I would, I got a scholarship to call to Carthage and mom was basically like if you get a scholarship you're going. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're going. I think a lot of parents sort of feel yeah. that way. So yeah. that's a pretty normal pretty and normal parent response. They were able to give me the accommodations that I needed. And what were some of those accommodations that you requested? Well, for one, I get to live in a dormitory that is typically only for seniors or people who request accommodations like just cuz it it's really great it's you don't you don't share a bedroom with six people mm-hmm. which is important because you need your sleep lack of sleep and stress is can be a huge seizure trigger so making sure that you can get a good night's sleep which can be very challenging to do in college, if I remember correctly. Um, so that's, I mean, that's incredibly important. She also has uh, academic accommodations, um, and they were very, um, just like her high school, they were very um, you know, open to that, and uh, she has extra time on testing. Um, and uh, um, it was interesting. We had two very different experiences on college interviews, and, and Carthage, as I said, was very... Um, you know, open to uh, whatever she needed to be successful. And um, another college, you know, said, I don't think we've ever had anyone, uh, you know, with a seizure disorder on campus. And I was thinking, it's one in 26. So you have. I, you have. Um, but uh, um, so, you know, she, again, she's been very fortunate to have um, the support system uh, that she has. And, um, you know, as her health is still kind of a question mark, we really are um, thankful that uh, her dad and I are both nearby. Um, and uh, that we can get to her if needed, but that she can live on campus also. Yeah, and, and experience that level of independence and responsibility. And so what is going through your mind as mom and your, your oldest, but, you know, still your baby? And, you know, I, I just I can't even imagine the sort of anxiety that you have around letting her go and and explore this independent world and wanting to cocoon her even i think all of us want to cocoon our children even the healthiest of ones and now you're sending one out into the world that 
it's a little scarier. What, what are you thinking? What are, what have you learned or what advice do you have to, to get parents through this? Well, there's a um, picture that Caroline loves to kind of make fun of because we took a lot of pictures on move-in day and there was one where um, I'm hugging her and I'm just, I'm just a wreck, oh, you know, I'm just yeah, a wreck. And, um, you know, people who didn't know us that well thought, you know, she's going to college in your town that you live in. So, okay, <laughs> you know, it, I know you're a little nervous, but, um, but uh, I think, you know, my advice again, the communication has to be there with wherever, um, you know, your child is going as far as every housing, um, academics, uh, counseling um, uh, has to, you know, everybody has to be on the same page. But, um, you know, Caroline um, has not um, been healthy since she, you know, started at Carthage, even move-in day, you know. Um, we got a call right after we left, um, but, uh, but she's making her way. And um, she wants to make her way. And um, uh, we have one of the things we started was an app, a medication app, so that we get notified. Um, her dad and I um, do if she's not taking her meds. And um, so that's, you know, pieces like that. Um, but, you know, we, um, we can't, um, you know, hold her close. You know, that wouldn't be good for her, wouldn't be good for... Um, for us, she does need to, you know, have that level of independence. We prefer that she have a, a cleaner room, but you know, that's uh, <laughs> that's on her. But uh, it, this is, um, and the other part that was a little um, different is that she skipped a grade, so she's only 17 at college. Um, uh, but again, she's, you know, she's making her way, and it's important to her that she does that. Um, with limited interference from mom and dad. So. Caroline, what advice would you give to other uh, teens and kids getting ready to go off to college uh, in what they should be looking for, both in a school, but also navigating that parent relationship? Well, I would say just be sure to stay close with your family. I found that's what helps me. They're always there to support me. And honestly, the best advice would just be to be yourself. Like, epilepsy is what you have, it's not who you are. And just be you. And most of the time, people won't even really know, notice you have it. Right. Absolutely. Ashley, what advice would you give to parents as they are navigating this newfound freedom of, you know, for their children? You can't go into the classroom anymore and give the presentation about epilepsy. That's something that Caroline has to do on her own in in a way that she's comfortable. Mm -hmm. So how how do you best navigate this next stage of your life? And um, I think one of the things that uh, I was very um, uh, happy and impressed with um, was that each of her professors, you know, 
emailed her and said, we're aware that you have accommodations. We need you to schedule time with each of us to discuss, you know, exactly what we can do to help you. And so that, um, that was big for me as a parent because I'm out of that. I'm not involved with that. And that's Caroline's responsibility now, and um, which was important. Um, so that, um, you know, that role changed um, with that email. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've never been a helicopter parent. Uh, I mean, it's certainly epilepsy changes things, but, um, you know, my children need to, um, you know, solve problems on their own. And, um, you know, of course, as things progress, if nothing was happening, then, then mom would get involved. But it's sort of, you know, college is, again, there's a lot more responsibility on um, the student and there really needs to be. Um, so, you know, just again, communication is key. You, the, um, I have to be, I had to be comfortable with what I was hearing and seeing, um, you know, before we, um, you know, committed to Carthage. And, um, uh, and I think that's true whether, you know, your child's going to a large school or a small school, you, they have to, you know, want to be there and you have to be comfortable um, with that investment, with the resources available, and um, then you have to trust, you have to place a lot of trust in, um, you know, the faculty and the staff and your child. Um, certainly, you know, I don't remove myself from the equation entirely, but, um, but it's a different, it's a different uh, stage in her life, um, absolutely, and, you know, in my life, and uh, um, it's hard, it's hard, um, it's, you know, wonderful. Do you get notified with every seizure? No, um, Caroline uh, typically will let me know um, uh, with the, the larger ones. She uh, she had one in class yesterday, um, and uh, you know that's just you know a struggle. It's one thing if you're in your dorm room and it happens uh, privately, um, but you know it's it's hard to um, be in a new environment have a fresh start, which is what we told her college was, and then to still, but still have to You're deal with it. You're still taking your baggage along with you, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I am so grateful to both of you for coming and speaking with me today and sharing your journey. Um, parenting is the most challenging and difficult job I think any of us could ever have, and um, but my goodness, do our kids make it worth it. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you for sharing your experiences on both sides. And um, so appreciate both of you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thank you again, Caroline and Ashley, for sharing your journey and experiences living and growing up with epilepsy. Part of parenting is knowing when to allow your child freedom, and part of growing up is knowing how to deal with that freedom. The choices and consequences for a growing child with epilepsy can have a serious impact on their health, well-being, and future. That's why it's so important for parents and children with epilepsy to establish open lines of communication and trust. Cure invests in patient-focused research to create new therapies that promote seizure reduction and freedom for epilepsy patients and their families. To help further Cure's research, please visit cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Your support and generosity are greatly appreciated. Thank you.
The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical condition be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.